Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 309. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com. We're excited to have back with us the internationally acclaimed and celebrated author of the Shattered Gate series and our good friend, Brian Glossmeyer. Brian. Hello. Hey, Barney. Good to see you. Yeah. How's it going? So, so this, so Brian, you came out with your your second book in the series of uh, the, the the second book in the series that the shattered gates series yes um so talk to us a little bit about the fact that your first book that you're on three years ago you're talking I mean, it was an ebook at the time and now it's a print book it's sitting right behind you um that was before the shattered gates of heaven and you now came out with second volume to that book called beyond the gates of the infernal so talk to us a little bit about kind of like what the series is, uh, get people caught up on uh, getting some, you know, new readers caught up to on what the series is of, of uh, the Shattered Gate series is all about. Sure. So um, the Shattered Gates series is a, it's a space opera adventure. It takes place uh, in the far future. Um, I like to call it an adventure through inner and outer space. Um, so it's, it's, uh, fast paced. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, action and big set pieces. Um, but at the same time, I try to keep a strong focus on character and, uh, character arcs. And, uh, so it's actually also at the same time, a very intimate journey of, uh, self-discovery and, and revelation kind of set against the backdrop of, uh, interstellar war. Uh, between these uh, alien species that our, our main characters have been uh, caught up into. For those that are listening or watching, and if you're looking for a new sci-fi book to read, I love the fact that some of these these review stats is that the people that have been talking about it, characters that you root for against all odds, amazing space opera no- novel, beautiful writing, literate, fast-paced, and highly imaginative, have you ever become lucid in a dream when you're waking, when you're walking the streets of another city in another world? I felt like that as if I was there. Another one on here says, wow, a super fast and hard hitting sci-fi book from the beginning. This book drew me in drop right into a strange, strange world. Mr. Glossmeyer has created a very tangible and alien place. This is a grand universe here, and I'm excited to see what the author has in store for us. And it goes on and on and on. You've been having amazing, amazing reviews on this book. So I guess the first question that, you know, just to kind of remind people about it as well and ask as well is that what do you feel makes a good story? Wow, that's a, that's a, Starting off with the light questions first. <laughs> Let me bust out my uh, graduate dissertation. Um, you know, a good story is, I think, in first and foremost, it has to entertain, hmm. right? And and entertainment can be lots of different things. Like entertaining can mean that uh, it it distracted you from the real world for a little while. Entertaining can mean that it uh, you enjoyed the artistry of it. Entertaining could mean that you, um, you know, you were moved in some way emotionally. Like entertaining can be lots of different things for lots of different people. 
But I think first and foremost, like it has to be entertaining. Mm. Um, and then I think second of all, what really impacts a good story for me is there's that sense of character and place and things, you know, uh, things happening, you know, the characters making choices, uh, usually hard choices. Um, even if it's like a, a, a fluffy, you know, romance story, there's always the, the point where, you know, the heroine has to make a choice between, you know, the the nerdy bookworm or the or the big gruff hunter you know which one she's going to give her heart to you know or, or however it might be so you know characters making choices that affect their lives um in an entertaining way right and, and so one of the one of the aspects of it is what you know a lot of your a lot of your reviews and what a lot of the feedback that you've gotten from the book is the fact that it's a completely alien world so how do you create a sense of how do you create that sense of place for somebody um, for the reader who's never been on the planet that you created? How do you give them that sense of familiarity for them to kind of give them that anchor point? I really brought it through the character. Okay. And so that way, not only are you establishing what the world is um, and, the, and the challenges and whatnot of the world, but you're establishing, you know, the character and how they fit into that world. Um, and so what you, what I found was really important is just have the character, you know, living in the world that they're in, you know, mm -hmm. interacting, like who are the people they interact with? What are the challenges? What are their goals? You know, what is, what is holding them back and what is pushing them forward, you know, the different influences on them uh, in this world. What do they regularly do in this world? As also you really, um, you know, people talked about, I was very touched, you know, you read some of the reviews that really touched me. Like people talked about how they could really step into this other world and, and feel it. And you, and that's also in the character. Like what does the character feel? You know, what are their senses? What are the, what do they smell? I think a lot of writers we always want to talk about because we're so movie oriented in mm -hmm. our culture, you know, um, and TV oriented. And so we, we really have culturally come to think a lot about stories visually, uh, you know, which is great. Like, I love the visual medium. Um, but there's so many other senses uh, that can really ground you in a setting like, what does it smell like, you know, right. like, and, and going through those senses is world building is a way to, you know, uh, establish very, you know, show don't tell of what's going on in the world, you know, does the does it smell like, you know, antiseptic cleaner, you know, does it smell like mechanical oils and stringent, you know, like in the back of your throat? Does it smell like body odor? You know, is it crowded with people and there's just that human sweat and stink and existence? Does it smell like food? You know, just by going through what they are sensing, you are also world building for your your reader while you're getting them, um, you know, into the character's mind and, and, and the characterization that you want to take them on this journey with um, all at the same time. So really grounding it in the point of view of the character. So what I did was, 
you know, I did a very tight third person uh, POV. So at any, like the first book only has one POV. The second book has two POVs, but both time, but for both books, like when you're in the POV, you only see, hear, feel, know what the character knows. It's not, you know, omniscient. Um, I, I, I didn't write it as first person, but it's almost as intimate as first person. It's almost as intimate as like, I did this, I saw this. Um, you just, you know, just made it third person instead, you know, where she, she experiences uh, these things as she goes about uh, her adventures. So really, really grounding it in the, in the character's experience will do so much, uh, so much for you and do so much for the, for the reader. What would you say is probably one of your most interesting writing quirks? I spend a, I think this is probably true for a lot of writers, um, but I spend a lot of time daydreaming. Hmm. I think hmm. I usually will often daydream a lot of scenes before I ever write them down. Um, and so it, it's almost kind of getting getting lost in a trance for a while while you're taking a shower or sitting on the couch or if you're you know if you're taking the bus, um, you know just kind of getting lost into what the scene would be and what the character would be thinking and feeling, and just kind of daydreaming through the experience. So you've kind of already on a certain level experienced it yourself before you ever kind of sit down and and put. Uh, words on the on the page what were some of the authors that kind of inspired you um as you were writing this any like books or authors that you that you kind of inspired or referenced from that um kind of pushed you forward on creating these worlds that you made uh neil stevenson i talked mm -hmm. about him in our uh last time we we talked yeah. uh neil stevenson one of my favorite uh, favorite sci-fi writers, um, especially a lot of his more earlier stuff like uh, Snow Crash um, and the Baroque Cycle. Just, you know, um, a lot of the ways just, the, especially like in Snow Crash, like the energy right. uh, that he is able to convey into his writing and just like, you know, just going for big ideas and going for lots of small ideas. Um, I think... Um, you know, Patrick Rothfuss, he is, you know, he's a, a more known as a fantasy writer, you know, not science fiction. But, you know, he cares, obviously cares a lot about prose and just the idea of there being rhythm and flow and lyricalness uh, to the prose and to how you're writing. You know, it can really create an effect that, you know, the writing, the prose itself um, should be its own artwork in addition to the art of the story, um, which is incredibly hard to do. And it's much, much easier to do wrong and come across really purple, um, you know, and flowery and overly done and then having to pare things back. Um, Dan, I, uh, Dan Simmons and the Hyperion books. Oh, yeah. um, again, great prose, uh, big epic ideas, um, really great characters, um, you know, the, and, um, you know, the one that influenced everybody in this genre is, uh, is Dune. You know, uh, Dune is the book that I've read 
the most. I've only read it three times. Like some people are like, oh, yeah, I read that book 250 times. Um, I'm not a big rereader. So to say that I've read like the same book three times is like, you know, and I've read it like at different times in my life and gotten things out of it, different things out of it, and had different experiences with it. Um, right. And so just trying to or hoping that I could, you know, write something that had so many layers to it that if people read it at different times in different parts of their life and their experience that they would you know bounce off of it or you know react to it get something different out of it each right. time and, and and so when you when you sit down and 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 write do you feel after you you spend time writing um in a day do you, does it do you feel energized or do you feel drained after it um yes um you know it it can really vary uh sometimes it can be very draining you know especially something that i'm kind of like struggling with and i'm really like trying to focus and think and and figure something out especially if like i'm you know if i've hit like a a plot point that doesn't seem to be working or i'm not quite sure how i'm going to get to a to b or if i just feel you know something I'm really trying to work through that can be very uh, draining, which is fine. You know, anything, anything that requires a lot of work should take something out of you energy wise. Um, but I also I found that I get a lot out of um, milestones and accomplishing something. Hmm. So I, I, whenever I finish a chapter or whenever I finish like a big section of a draft um, that would give me kind of a, a little a little boost a little uh serotonin hit you know just knowing that like i hit that mark like i got x amount done you know i got this chapter done at least for the first draft or second draft or whatever mm-hmm. but anytime i can hit a, um, a milestone in in the writing that's that's when i get that kind of uh that rush feeling from it so how is how is your writing process different when you're writing volume two as compared to your than volume one? Um, I went through a lot of the same things. Like I learned a lot about writing a book in mm. in writing book one. You know, um, like I had done a little bit of short fiction writing and you know a little bit of experiments here and there uh, before I started book one. Um, so I definitely had some things to learn while I was uh, while I was doing it. So book one had a lot of stops and starts as like, like how do I world build this? You know, how do I outline this? How do I set up a scene? You know, like so I once I kind of learned a lot of those lessons, especially like in the first draft of book one, um, I really brought those lessons into book two. Okay. So that like you know I very much approached the outlining process, you know, the scene breakdowns, uh, character development, um, as well as editing. It was all actually like what I learned from from book one. So there wasn't a big change so much as just building off of what was what was already learned. What were some of the lessons that you learned from book one that you're able to put into book two that made the process smoother for you then? That's a good question. Um, I think 
I had a better idea of how to uh, of how to pace and how to structure. Um, I think uh, when I first started writing book one um, and some of those early chapters, I felt like, oh, and I came to realize, oh, these chapters are actually a little bit too long. And if I cut them right about like where to where to cut a chapter, like, hmm. you know, where to get up like to a, a, a real good tension point and then cut it there. So that, like the reader's like, but, but wait, what's happening? So, you know, kind of pull into the next chapter. Um, and there's really kind of no way to, to learn that without just like doing it, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously you can always learn by, by reading good, good writers and, and paying attention to good stories, uh, paying close attention, but getting in there and doing it. So just how to, uh, I felt like the pacing in a lot of ways, uh, was, was a lesson learned that I was able to bring to, uh, the second book, you know, where to bring chapter ends um at and and things like that right and so because in in here so it like i said it's it's sci-fi this is space this isn't fantasy um and you're dealing with different alien races you're differing with space battles and all this stuff how does how has your writing uh how have you seen what were some of the more complicated aspects writing sci-fi brings that you wouldn't find in a normal say uh fiction book uh i just want to say i think a lot of fantasy readers will appreciate it like Mm. in a lot even though i it's put into like the sci-fi space opera setting in a lot of ways it's structured like an epic fantasy right um like there's lots of what could happen in this book be transferred to like a more fantastical setting, you know, and just swap out, you know, swap out spaceships for sailing ships and, you know, swap out magic this for sci-fi that um, in a lot of ways. Right. Um, But one thing that needed, you know, is that trying to think about capturing technology that would be thousands of years in the future, you know, that would still be comprehensible to a reader today. So I think, you know, we're, we're very inundated in sci-fi right now, which I think is really helpful. I mean, you can watch like, uh, I think like one of the Transformers movies, like brought up the, the subject of smart matter or like programmable matter so that you could just like have matter and turn it whatever you want you know you could have a boom box turn into a rubber ball kind of thing so just you could you could program the matter and and however you want it to be and adapted to be for the situation right but just a few years ago i think that would have been like a really tricky idea to get across uh but now like ideas like that these far future crazy sci-fi ideas are so inundated with us. Like if you look at like the old, like Star Trek, you know, with the exception of like transporters and faster than like travel, we have all that tech now, you know, it's like we, we can do pretty much what they were doing in Star Trek, except for, you know, transporting matter and zipping around the stars, but everything else, we pretty much got it, you know? Yeah. But then it didn't take hundreds of years. It just took a few decades. Right. Um, so trying to think of a technological world 
that was thousands of years advanced that would make sense to us and that would be coherent within the world you know because like once you change one thing the ripple effects just flow out you know right just uh when they were first coming up with the internet protocols in the 60s you know uh for how to get like how to network two computers to each other you know and they were able to just get like one like i think they got like two characters and they got lo before the whole thing fell apart you know and they're trying to send a message to each other just like how that and just you know 60 years later what a transformative thing it's had on world and uh you know all of our cultures around the world and like things they could like they could never have thought of like you know um you know smartphones and and apps and much less social media and what social media is doing to us and like child development and all of that. So just, you know, trying to extrapolate a believable world from technological with these technological changes that also you don't spend hundreds of pages just trying to describe that, you know, so it gets boring, you know, you think you keep your characters in the world and then how like different cultures will have different technologies and different technological changes and how that impacts them. and how that feeds back as they interact with each other. It just becomes a very kind of complex uh, mesh in the background while you're trying to tell these stories about, you know, characters and their inner drives and desires and whatnot. How do you pivot that creativity with um, real life experience um, in the world that you've created? Well, I think write what you know is actually pretty tricky advice. It's like super common writing advice. Mm. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, it's a trap um, if it's approached incorrectly, especially if you're like a, a genre writer, a sci-fi right. or fantasy writer. Because I don't know anything about space battles or, you know, alien technology or you know alien religions or what the world's going to be like in thousands of years from now um but i do know what it's like to be in my early 20s and trying to find myself you know i do know what it's like to have a you know have a certain upbringing and then have like a kind of crisis of faith in that worldview you know to encounter and you know what it's like to encounter cultures, you know, and encounter places that I haven't been to before. You know, I have traveled. So I think write what you know, especially for genre writers, is write what you know from your internal experience, you know? Like, write what you know about being in a relationship. Write what you know about having a friend betray you. Write what you know about, you know, wanting to fit in. And then put that very real world real life stuff of your characters into this stuff that you could have no way of knowing about you know with uh the space battles and aliens and crazy technology give people a little bit of uh, uh you know a synopsis on volume two is and do you have to read volume one before reading volume two so volume two picks up literally right where volume one leaves off. There's even a little bit of overlap where we see part of the ending from a different point of view. 
Okay. Um, so there is a lot of context um, that comes from having read the first volume. Uh, so, and ideally, you would read them. You would read them back to back. Um, that being said, I also wanted to give people a chance that. You know, there's always a thing where like, oh, what's this book? And you pick it up and you start reading and it's like, oh, it's a sequel. And then, but you've already started reading it. So I wanted to give people a chance to have an understanding of some context of what was going on. So I, and so I do try to give people the bare minimum of what they would need to know if they hadn't read the first book to get them up to speed, you know, when they start, if they start reading book two. And even though it is a continuation, like plot wise, like it picks up right where book one leads off, book two is still its own story. Okay. You know, I wanted to make sure that it had its own conflicts, its own beginning, middle and end, um, that it was not just, you know, an, an iteration in a series, that it really was its own, uh, its own story and its own book. Um, and as I eventually write more books in this series, um, that's really important to me is that I wanna tell a bigger, longer multi-volume story, but each volume, you know, has to have its own, its own bookness, you know, its own, its own story qualities. As, as we're wrapping up, give people a little bit of like a synopsis um, on the your Shattered Gates series. I've already got it here on the back, so why not go, go up with right. the back? Uh, so growing up in the lowest of the low in a cruel alien underworld, severe dreams of something more, more than being forever unseen, toiling in tunnels and mines and never seeing the sky. She dreams of a life of honor, glory, and conquest among the stars. She has only one way to make her dreams come true. Victory in the deadly fighting pits of the Divine Masters. <laughs> so this is, this is very much like a personal story of revelation of someone trying to, uh, a human trying to find themselves in a very dystopian, dark, and, and in many ways cruel um, alien mm -hmm. world. Uh, but who is also a firm believer in that world. Um, and then along the way has some crisis of faith um, and everything that she's been told about the universe and, and, you know, her people and her culture and like her place, her place in the universe. Um, and uh, things blow up. So, uh, the second book is the continuation of her story um, where she has uh, a newfound family um, and new goals, uh, um, a new society that she is trying to get to and reach. Um, but she, her old family and her old society isn't quite done with her yet. Mm. Um, and a lot of it is about the conflict of you know, how does she, as a, as a warrior, you know, how does she protect her new family from her old one? Okay. And what will, what will that mean? And what will that draw her to? And meanwhile, you know, older and mysterious uh, forces are waking up and are at play 
and have their own agenda for them. And so, like I said, the, the second book actually has uh, two POVs. Um, oh, okay. I really like the idea, uh, the kind of the trope of the antagonist being the protagonist of their own story. So that's how I approached uh, book two, uh, where it's two POVs, um, and we get Sabira again um, from the first book, uh, but we also get... Uh, Daguerre, who's a minor character um, in the first book, um, as she has her, as the events of the first book kind of have their own fallout for her and what it means uh, um, for Daguerre. And so they're each pursuing their own goals and how those goals counteract each other and okay. their relationship uh, with each other. Um, so I don't like saying hero and villain as much as um each is each is their own protagonist and each is the antagonist to the other so so brian if people want to learn more about the shattered gates series or if they people want to learn more about you where is the best place they could go to um just go to uh brian s glossmeyer.com um just my full name.com uh that'll get to that page That'll give you links to the books. Um, and you can also sign up for my monthly newsletter, the Deep Void Transmissions. Um, and I just, each newsletter, I like to just kind of talk about what's going on with me create creatively, um, my thoughts on um, different media and stories that I'm reading or movies that I'm watching, um, and how I think. Uh, people who have liked my books would uh, think about them or feel about them. Um, and also uh, give you some uh, discounts and deals for uh, some upcoming other uh, indie authors uh, that I know and that I work with. So sign up for the newsletter. Um, oh. You'll find, you'll get, you'll get all that. You'll get a free short story that's set in the Shattered Gates universe. Um, it's its own story. You don't have to read it. it. It's its own characters, but it does offer a little extra insight into the the ending of book two. So if you uh, sign up for the newsletter, get a free short story, you'll get a, a little bit more for uh, when you get to book two than people who haven't read it. Thank you so much for coming back on. And when, when is book three coming out? Because then we got to... Uh, well, too. it takes me about three years to write a book so far. <laughs> three years. I am not a fast writer. I thank God I'm not at uh, George Martin speed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does. It does take me a while. I am in the process of kind of outlining and figuring things out for for book three and so and for some other books and projects in that same universe. Uh, so I'm not making any promises uh, yet. Um, oh, I also say if you're on social media, um, the, if you want to find me on social media, um, the best way to find me is on Instagram, um, Brian S. Glossmeyer or uh, at Doom Bunny Brian. On, that's Brian with a Y um, on Instagram. That's the social media that I'm most often on. Um, Brian S. Glossmeyer, uh, dot com or dot or facebook.com slash Brian S. Glossmeyer, however Facebook works. Uh, but Instagram where I, is where I'm most often at. 
Uh, someone just gave me a blue sky hookup, so I haven't got that going yet. So um, maybe I'll be on blue sky soon. We'll we'll, we'll see about that. Um, blue sky sounds very much like a Brian Glassmeyer esque um, yeah. platform anyway, because <laughs> you got shattered gates, you got you know like you know, the heaven, shattered gates of heaven, void form media, everything just seems very airy. So blue sky seems to fit for you. So anyway, I'll take it. Sure. <laughs> Ragged skies of doom. <laughs> well, perfect. Well, thanks a lot, Brian. It was great chatting with you again. Thanks for having me on, Barney. It's good to uh, it's good to see you. It's good to be on, and uh, maybe I'll see you in another three hundred episodes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We got a good rhythm going here. <laughs>